Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Fight Up Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Lukash Vendrich. Remember to introduce myself this time, which doesn't always happen. Anyway, we had a we had a, a deep weekend of boxing. There wasn't any super high drama, no massive upsets again, but we got we got to celebrate two legends, which we're gonna do on the show. Obviously Vasily Lomachenko and Oni Tilonair. Then the other two main thing the other main thing to talk about this weekend was uh, again from the British side of the aisle. We're going to talk a little bit about Sonny Edwards. And, um, well, if you listen to Probellum, they'll tell you that uh, he is one of the greatest fighters to ever live on their first show. Their commentary was ridiculous. Obviously, he's not, but it's worth talking about how good he actually is and where he stands in what is becoming a very good division at the top. But let's open Let's open with Vasily Lomachenko, who um, won a dominant and very comfortable decision over Richard Comey without without knocking him out, which which bothered some people apparently, that Lomachenko didn't stop him. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, where is it, where he is. Is it because he's old? No, it's not because he's old, it's because he's small. And, uh, you know, just what kind of, what was happening there. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be a super, super enlightening for anyone who follows Lomachenko because in reality he didn't do anything that we haven't seen from Lomachenko before except I mean he was what uh, he was and um, our co- my colleague um, Taylor at Taylor on Sport uh, did point this out on Twitter that his uh, his um, inside his um, sort of shoving and grappling game was pretty good and uh, as I mentioned it didn't used to be so that's something he's been working on so uh, but other than that it was a pretty vintage Lomachenko performance and um Let's just uh, celebrate the man, shall we? And the thing is, some people are probably going to want to feel the need to uh, not celebrate him because he fought a 34-year-old and didn't finish a man that Teofimo Lopez battered in a round, in two rounds, a year ago. And I feel like that would be absolutely ludicrous because um, this is the main thing to take away from the difference in the approaches here is that Teofimo Lopez is really big and Lomachenko for the division is really small and just doesn't hit as hard as Lopez and was therefore not able to flatten Comey. And um, so he didn't, you know, but he was still dominant. He still, uh, he put on uh, one of his humiliation shows and I think that's what he was going for. He wanted a Nomachenko stoppage. And I don't think he wanted a Nomachenko stoppage only because he likes that reputation, although he clearly obviously does. Um, and I think it's, I think it is worth worth noting that people made a big deal uh, of the moment in round seven that um, Lomachenko completely battered him and um, dropped him at one point and then he was he dropped him and he was yelling at the corner at Comey's corner to stop the fight and then later on in the round he had him hurt and he was yelling at, yelling at them again he backed off and yelled at them a bit and uh, there was been some talk of that being respectful and concerned for his opponent and I mean there might there might be it might have been some of that because he was very clearly very clearly very wobbly and the referee would have been within his rights to stop it then but I don't think that's what was happening I don't think Lomachenko is really I mean I don't think Lomachenko is a monster but um he likes a humiliation and I think it would have done his ego I think he would have enjoyed seeing his opponent's corner pull their fighter out. He likes the Nomachenko, Nomachenko name. And the other thing, is he, like I say, he just doesn't hit that hard for the division. So I think he was trying to 
sort of play mind games with the corner, you know, put them on show for the world and have them pull them out. Now. I think that's what, what he was doing. And when that didn't happen, and then in the next round, Comey, you know, he was still very much on the back foot, but uh, he got himself together and he was firing back. And I think, I think it was Timothy Bradley who mentioned it on the commentary um, that uh, what Comey was doing was firing at uh, where Lomachenko is going to be and not where he was, which is uh, it's key to beating Lomachenko, it's key to fighting Lomachenko, and um, not that many of his opponents have done it. And if he can get it right, because Lomachenko moves so much, if he can get it right, it's, it's trouble for Lomachenko. He ran into that the issue against um, Linares. Obviously, he had big issues getting to, to Lopez. And, um, you know, I think he's fully aware of that little, that weakness of that vulnerability. And so when he saw that Comey was still thrown back, he um, he backed off a little bit. Not out of worry or fear or... It was just good sense. Like, I think it is not... I think it's entirely possible that if... Lopez had beaten Cambosos as he was meant to do, that Lop- that Lomachenko would have taken more gambles to prove that he can do what Lopez did. Maybe not as early, but that he can stop him and, um, you know, I'm the guy. But <clears throat> Lopez is not now not currently a factor in his thinking for his next, probably for the next year or so. Like He wants the belts and he'll probably want Haney for some leverage for that thing that he holds. And if he doesn't, you know... He wants Cambosos most of all, and if he doesn't fight either of them, he'll probably go for someone not coming off a loss. Maybe he'll go for Ryan Garcia, try to get Ryan Garcia, who knows. But either way, Lopez isn't isn't currently in his thinking, I'd imagine, and Lomachenko shouldn't be in Lopez's. He needs to recover and regroup, figure out what went wrong. Anyway, point being is, yeah, I think that the, what happened, people were concerned, you know, is he... Is he old? Is that why he stepped off the gas? Is he, you know, he is too small. That's why he stepped off the gas. Like, he's not big in the division. He knows it. He was not taking unnecessary risks. And I think that was, you know, I don't think that was a cause for concern because Comey was, you know, he was clearly outclassed, but he had the right ideas and he didn't panic. And I think that's important because a lot of Lomachenko's game plan does rest on his opponents freaking out. And he was throwing heavily to the body, which is, you know, Lomachenko can do, can do things with that. We saw it against um, Nicholas Waters that he uh, he fully uh, he was just just dodging body shots and you know maybe there was something to the age that he can't do that as much anymore. I don't know, but I don't think it was a note of concern. Um, and you know, other than that, it was a fully it was a classic Lomachenko performance. Lots of an in out movement, loads and loads of circles. <clears throat> I think the one thing to note. Uh, that was interesting that um, my colleague um, Taylor, Taylor Higgins, at Taylor Sport on Twitter, did notice that uh, he noted that Lomachenko is uh, just like Oleg Usyk, a very good inboxing grappler. He's good at the shoving exchanges. And I said, and I, th- I think I'm right about this, is that uh, I don't know if he picked it up from Usyk or not, but I think that's a new development. You know, <clears throat> we know that he did practice, <clears throat> he did do grappling. As a youngster, but um, his in-boxing grappling was never really that good. And um, I've always been convinced, and this is a theory that I've seen others float, um, and I think they're they're bang on, that um, his shoulder injury problems 
probably came from what he used to do when he was trying to break a clinch, which was just step back and wrench as hard as he could. And, you know, that wasn't good for him when he was fighting smaller people, let alone when he stepped up to fight bigger people. Um, and that was something we did see from him, uh, that he's more considered about how he fought, how he pushes and how he shoves. And uh, when he gets into a clinch, he doesn't freak out and start going, ah, let me out. And uh, so that was one thing that was you know, relatively new to Lomachenko. It's something that he was probably more dedicated to. Um, whether it's of any serious use against the top guys in the division, you know, if he's fighting... I mean, hey, Devin Haney, as I talked about last week, his balance isn't that good, so maybe he'll... Uh, maybe he'll uh, have, have, um, have him there, but, um, you know, Lomachenko isn't going to want to be... Isn't going to want to be grappling with the big guys. He didn't really want to be grappling with Comey, and it is just going to be about creating space and getting out of there. He's, um, as I've described him before, he is, uh, he's a mid-range fighter fighting at a very close range, and he doesn't really want to clinch. But he has learned how to manoeuvre in the clinch better than he used to. So that's, you know, that's another thing to add to the pile of things that Lomachenko can do, which is a very, very, very big pile. Uh, yeah, I think that's you know there's not too much more to cover there. Um, there's one one tiny little thing that I wanted to address, um, which was some very ridiculous arguments on, you know, I, you don't want to get too distracted by Twitter, but this has been going on for a for a little while now, and it's a stupid little you know, team games where uh, followers of other promoters and their fighters want to dismiss, you know, Lomachenko and Top Rank, and it's, it's, it's weird stuff. But anyway, the point is that there's been a lot of talk over the last year and account over the <clears throat> in the fight as well. There's two there's two schools of completely contradictory thought, and neither of them bear any resemblance to Lomachenko whatsoever. And one of them is that Lomachenko, because he doesn't get hit a lot, that means he's a, he's a defensive fighter and. Uh, and he does a lot of running, and I mean, clearly he moves a lot, but um, but he is one of the most aggressive fighters in the world. Um, just it's just absolute lunacy. Even in this fight that he was, you know, stepping off at the end and not pushing for the finishes, he might have done. He was still in and out, punching lots, throwing combinations. It's just he's. It's just that he's really, really good defensively and knows how to not get hit too much uh, as he's attacking. And, I mean, the other school of thought, and uh, this one is, if anything, I mean, they're equally they're really stupid. But the other one is that Lomachenko is too aggressive and he's uh, hittable and he's not uh, he's not that skillful because he gets hit more than, you know, def- some defensive fighters. And, I mean, on a punch-for-punch, punch, you know, pure how much how often he gets landed on he does get hit more often than purely defensive defensive fighters because he's very aggressive but you know sometimes you say people Lomachenko say Lomachenko hasn't got head movement and it's just like you're not watching him with your eyes like even in this fight he was you know he's slipping he's like he's he's ducking he's it's I I don't understand it and (laughs) I don't know why I'm getting so annoyed about silly arguments on Twitter but I think you need to appreciate how you know just how good this man is and uh you know, we're getting into this late stage of his career. You know, he's, he's not. I'm not. Don't think he's going to retire tomorrow. <clears throat> but this is going to be. You know, he's going to make another run at the belts. He won't come next, but might not get him. If he doesn't get him, he might get Haney. 
other than that, I don't know. Um, and we, yeah, I think we need to appreciate him because uh, I don't know how long he's going to go on for. Like, I don't know that he's going to carry on till he's 39, which, you know, that little lets me neatly tie off this subject because, you know, at the end of the day, it was a nice, it was a nice, tidy, typical Lomachenko, extraordinary for anyone else performance. And so let's tie that off and talk about our next living legend, the uh, the gentleman Nonito Donaire, who um, he fought his countryman this time, Raymar Caballo, um, who was, he's not that heralded and, you know, let's let's be honest, he's not that good. He's fine, you know, he's um, he is a champion, but the belt, the fight that he won the belt in was a rather controversial. Let's 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 call it controversial um, decision over um, Emmanuel Rodriguez, the the luckless Emmanuel Rodriguez, who has um, you know, he uh, he announced himself with a surprising win against Paul Butler in England, and since then he you know he got he got the honor of getting himself absolutely splattered by Anoyo anyway that was fair enough but um but he got like everyone else got battered which led to people thinking he's not that good and then he um you know people who don't follow the lower divisions that much which you know I don't want to you know some people don't you didn't no one has time to to follow everything um lest I sound dismissive but you know it's led to him people not really realising how good he was from because that's the fight they remember him for then he fought Romark Gambayo and um, was hard done by and then he uh, smacked his head off Gary Russell Jr and um, ended in a no contest in one round so um, so he'll be feeling a little aggrieved to see Romark Gambayo in a in a fight as opportunity as big as this but um, Gambayo you know he's, he's a decent fighter he's um he does. He's reason, but he's fairly basic. But he does some sort of things, and um, yeah, what this fight really was a showcase of between the thirty-nine-year-old Nonita Donaire and the thirty-five-twenty-five-year-old Raymar Cabello. Um, this was a lesson in basic techniques, and that I think is something you know I, I love. Nonito Donaire is his his personality is that he is the nicest guy in the boxing. Might he might just be the nicest guy in the world. He's just one of those guys you want to cheer all the time. Like there was a wonderful moment in the um, one of the pre-fight press conferences where uh, uh, Donaire speaks obviously perfect English, um, Gabayo less fluent, and he was trying to get a point across and just ran out of words. And they hadn't had an interpreter on station. And so Donaire just did it for him. Just you know, say what you, say it say it to me, and uh, I'll translate it for you. And uh, um, I was talking about it with my brother, and he pointed out that, that Donaire for Donaire, and it just he, he didn't even think it was going to be something. It wasn't something worth noting, and he didn't realise until the room started laughing and then cheering, and you know everyone made a big deal out of it, and they're both sitting there with this slightly embarrassed smile. But it was just you don't see that kind of respect and you know, no thought for some, a lot of fighters in that situation would be like, oh, he's uncomfortable, I'm going to try to take the needle and piss him off, and no, it just didn't even cross Donaire's mind, it was um, he's just not that guy, he just doesn't feel the need to do it, it's, it's, it's fantastic, sometimes it's so refreshing to see someone that nice get ahead uh, um, anyway but um, as a clash of um, box 
boxings, boxing stuff, um, yeah, Donaire is a... Watching Donaire nowadays is... He, you can learn from him, because we were, we were just talking about um, Lomachenko and, you know, you look at the other guys at the top of the sport and other, you know, not... Uh, other guys in the pound for pound list, which Donaire isn't at the moment, but he has been. Um, a lot of them... You know, they have things to aim for. They have things that as a young learning fighter, or if you're trying to understand boxing, um, you can, uh, you can, you know, you can aim, you can, you can, it's an aspiration to be like Canelo or to be like um, Lomachenko or Usyk or Inoue. And clearly, you know, there are things you can take directly from them and um, look at and learn. But no, you know, no, uh, beginner boxer is going to walk into the gym and be even be practicing the things that Lomachenko does it's just not something that's not that's not what you're there to be doing if you're anything less than already a masterful really good boxer and um when you watch Nonito Donaire it is all about the simple stuff and it's all about the little bits of movement and timing and everything that he needs to both keep himself safe and set up the big shots. And, I mean, he's famous for his left hook, hook his, lead, his lead left hook, um, which knocks a lot of guys down and out. Um, but uh, really, at this stage, everything about his game, it's all about these little subtleties, these little little steps, or tiny little balance uh, adjustments and adjustments of distance. And it was a difference here because the thing is, Donaire and Gabayo are on paper at first at, at a glance they're quite similar style of fighters they're both orthodox they're both you know they're not, neither of them are wildly let's say wildly circular they're um they're both fairly straight lined but um they're both they're both you know they they both protect themselves when they need to but they're um not unhittable and the difference just the difference in this fight was very much that uh Donaire does these subtle little things. They're subtle, but you can see them. And if you're in the gym drilling, you, you can try to you can look at them and see how to rep, how to try to replicate them. And like they just start with the footwork. Watch how the two of them are moving. Like turn the fight on and watch the feet. And this is something I talked very briefly about before on a um, when I was talking about um, Usyk beating Joshua and it was this is a very different style but um you can see the difference between the steps of Donaire and the steps of Gabayo where Donaire he's moving back and forward he's circling you know a little bit in each direction but he's very very much making sure that even though he's keeping himself planted with each step and his balance is pretty much perfect he's not doing the same thing he's not returning to the same space he's um He's got a very solid, uh, very, not solid, very set stance, um, very, you know, he always wants to be in the same shape. He's not doing some wild maneuvers, but it's very slightly different every step he takes. If he steps forward and steps back, it's not exactly the same, which is a, is something of a fundamental in boxing that isn't talked about that often. So, so if you're, you know, if you're coming into boxing and trying to learn about it, this isn't something that's brought up and it probably should be. It's one of the most fundamental things, you know little foot feints, little, these little adjustments, and Caballo, as good as, you know, he's not, he's a, he's not out of, he's not out of his depth on this level, he's, uh, you know, he was outclassed, clearly, but, um, but it's these little things that, 
that make the difference. These little shifts that he just wasn't doing. And he's, you know, he's doing all the, his his footwork isn't bad. He does the, you know, he does the step and slide. He's not David Benavidez, who sometimes just forgets what that is. He's, a, you know, he keeps himself reasonably in shape. But he was never really fooling Nonito Donaire. And Nonito Donaire was fooling him all the time. Even with just these tiny little things. And because he was doing that, firstly, it makes him, it makes Caballo more open to be hit. But, you know, Donaire is there to be hit. Like, um, you know, you saw it against Dinoe, you saw what you see it in all his fights. You can hit him. But, um, but because he's, uh, firstly, because he's manning the distance. And because he's always, because Caballo wasn't able to pull him out of shape and wasn't able to fool him, he's always perfectly balanced. And so when he does get hit, he moves with the shot. And that's a very important part of, you know, people talk about how good Nonito Donaire's chin is and how good it must have been against Inoue. And I mean, clearly it must be. But um, a lot of that comes from the fact that... Uh, this is, uh, as I talked, I talked about it last week with Haney, you know, I hope you listened to that podcast, and if you didn't, go back and check it out. I talked about how Haney takes shots worse than he needs to, because um, cause the balance isn't quite right between his feet and his upper body and his head. There's something offline that leads him to taking leads him taking shots harder than he needs to be, that he moves more with shots than he needs to. And Donaire is the exact opposite. His balance is basically perfect, and... You know, he, you pretty much, you have to work very, very hard to get him to walk onto something or to shove him off balance or to, to <clears throat> move him offline and then hit him. And <clears throat> Gabayo wasn't the guy to do that. You know, now we know did it to him maybe twice. And in a way, he's one of the best trap setters in, in the sport at the moment. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, those little things, those moving from the feet, um, with the feet, setting up the shots and, this is the other thing, you know, he's not feeling, he's, uh, Caballo's not feeling uh, Donaire, but Donaire's feeling Caballo, and that means that every time Donaire, uh, Donaire landed, it was, uh, it was hurting Caballo, and it led to, you know, it ultimately led to the finish, but even in the early rounds, you know, he was, um, clocking him with body shots that didn't seem that hard, and they were moving him, and it was, uh, it goes back to what I was saying, is, um, Caballo has these, his basic shape is fundamentally sound, but because he's um, he's predictable, and that means Donaire can move to avoid him, and that means the next step he has to take is um, is a little bit more desperate. He's like, you know, I'm not, I didn't get him with the step I wanted to make. I um, I have to make another one that wasn't in my plan, and he's suddenly not in shape, and then he takes a shot, and then he gets hurt, and um, yeah, it was a. It's just a perfect fight. If you know, this is not the most spectacular fight of Nonito Donaire's career, and it's not going to be a fight that you're going to sit. It's not. It wasn't a classic fight that you're going to sit down and watch forever and ever. But as a learning, you know, that was a fight that you can teach people to box with. And in that sense, I yeah, it's. And I love Nonito Donaire. It's. I'm gushing over him, you know, probably more than I was over Loma. He's, he's, you know, he's not as good a boxer as that, but he's in the, he lives in those, you know, he used to live in those, uh, on those levels. And at the age he is, you know, there are going to be very few boxers achieving what he is now at the age that he is. He's, uh, he's, he's got to be an example to everyone, right? He's, um, he's fantastic. It's, it's great. Yeah, and the finish, you know, we should talk we should talk about how the fight actually ended because 
because this this was a knockout. And um, yeah, it was a it's another lesson on the importance of body work. And again, another teaching moment because they're both they both adopted a pretty similar game plan of you know work the head and the body, alternating trying to open the other guy's guard up, and you know Dunea's guard stays on his body. In a way, had this problem as well. Yeah, you know, in a way, is a wicked body shot merchant, but he couldn't really land, but get the body shots home. Um, and that, you know, he hits hard to the head. But, but as I say, um, Donaire's balance took a sting off, and that's what was happening. You know, here it diff- slightly differently because Cabello wasn't getting to the head. He was throwing wildly and missing every time he tried to get to the head. But um, he was working the body, but he wasn't getting past Donaire's guard. You know, he has this slightly he slightly he has a very active guard in here, so his hands come up when he needs to put the head, but they mostly stay protecting his ribcage and it's very hard to get past and it's hard to work around. And the other way around, you know, in Donair, he lands a few on the on the elbows and the um on the protection Cabello is holding, he holds a similar stance and then he works upstairs and he comes back down and he's hitting the body because Cabello's guard it just isn't as adjustable and so when he moves it one way he can't bring it back as quickly and he hits him the finish came because he landed a right hand to the body and then that hurt and Cabello is going oh no you know I've got to protect the right side of my body and Donaire goes okay I'm going to hit the left side of your body and you know simple as that really sometimes that's what boxing comes down to he had to do it twice Cabello is clearly quite tough, but um, the second big left hook he landed to the body was a hook. It's a you know big left shot to the body, and um, yeah, he did his damnedest to stand up. He did stand up, but then he went straight down again because those damn things hurt. And uh, that's all she wrote. And uh, yeah, it's that classic liver shot reaction, right? You know, it's a perfect shot to the liver. And you see it so often, fighters, they want to get up, they know they have to get up, but they can't make themselves stand up or stay up. It's, you know, it's, that, it's, a, be- it's a beautiful shot to see done right, and it was done right here. And Nanita uh, Denaire moves on at the age of 39. He'll be wanting a title next year. Um, who he fights, it's going to be slightly hard to say because uh, the title situation has become a little bit murky. Obviously, um, in a way, holds some of it. He holds the um, the IBF and the uh, WBA, and um, Inoue has a WBC that he just won, and then the other belt, the um, the WBO, has become a little bit unclear this very weekend because it was meant there was meant to be a fight between um, John Roy Casimero, who's a uh, who was supposed to have fought both the Donaire and Inoue, and uh, well he talked himself out of a fight with Donaire by him and his management insulting. Donaire's wife, which you just don't do. Um, and then, you know, the Inoue fight never came together and he was fighting Paul Butler for the world title, which was a, let's be honest, a bit of a joke. Like, like Paul Butler, respect the man, but uh, in his best day, he was not a world-level fighter and he's a long day, long way past his best day. And uh, Casimiro, there was some... There's some thought that he was struggling with the way he he said he was um he said he was ill he said he had um some gastric infection or something I don't know um but there's some thought that that was made up and he just wasn't making weight and decided to skip the fight um the the belt body has said you now have a I think they said ten days to prove that you were really were sick and not just uh, struggling with a weight cut um 
they were going to have Paul Butler fight Joseph Agbeko for the interim belt. I believe they were going to make it. And then that didn't happen at the last minute again. Um, you know, they had him, they had Agbeko there for the whole reason of being a, a reserve. And then it didn't happen. Maybe because Paul Butler refused to fight because uh, he wouldn't fight unless it was guaranteed for the world title belt. That's not entirely clear. In any case, we don't know who has a world title. There isn't an interim. If Casemiro gets stripped uh, for not being able to prove that he uh, was really sick, then uh, there'll be someone else. Uh, there'll be an, uh, there'll be an empty belt, and uh, you know Donaire will be interested in fighting whoever that is. Um, but he wants to unify, so he's going to want Inoue in the end. And uh, I don't think he beats Inoue. He's uh, I'm not sure who he is. He was even in his. Uh, best today as good as Inouye is now and he's I think he's better technically like he's more complete than he was in his younger days but uh, it doesn't make up for for the loss of speed just doesn't even though he doesn't seem to have lost either power or endurance it's you know he's not as good as he, he's not as sharp as he was but he, at the age of 39 it's remarkable to see him what he's doing what he's doing and I'm you know I'll be raving some more in future um one more thing. I mean, I'll make it aside because I'm going to talk about British boxing. Um, so I'll mention Conor Ben because, um, well, it was one of the things to talk about uh, here that he um, completely flattened Chris Algieri very quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll talk about Conor Ben more in the future when he's fighting fights that are more more of a test. And just, just you know, it's worth mentioning that he's become... He's improved leaps and bounds since, you know, a couple of years ago when he was looking really ropey. He's, um, his creative attacking setups are much, much better. He hits really, really hard. Um, he's still very open when he's throwing. Like he, he's now at that stage where he knows how to defend himself. And when, uh, when Algeri was coming at him, he was defending himself reasonably well. But when he throws, he's still insanely open and he needs to start integrating that into his game. And that's, you know, he's still young enough that that might happen. It's something you see, it's pretty standard in boxers um, as they're learning. They learn how to do it first, uh, you know, in isolation. And then they start bringing it into the attack uh, while they're attacking. And uh, I'm, I'm not convinced that Ben is uh, going to manage that, but... Um, He's trying, and <clears throat> so, you know, what's next for him, I don't know. Hopefully he gets uh, someone more challenging next time, but, um, you know, that's no disrespect to Algeria, who I said in my preview was going to be a challenge for him, and uh, turned out not really to be, so, you know, fair enough to kind of bend. But there wasn't that much to talk about there, because it was too, it was too much of a physical mismatch to really be able to get into the nitty-gritty technically, because it was just a... Uh, the power differential was too big, um, but it was a beautiful knockout. And if you haven't seen it, it's a you know contender for knockout of the year where um, he uh, set him up. He he um, threw the one two, set him up with the first shot, and then cracked home this beautiful follow up. And uh, it, you know it was one of those Algeria freezes uh, stock still and then sort of slowly crumples to the ground. Pretty spectacular looking thing. It's you know good, good, good enjoyable, enjoyable fight. Um, very nice finish. After that, the main thing, the main British, not British, uh, it was in Dubai, but, um, it, you know, it was a, I believe it's technically a British promoter, a new, new promotional outfit on the scene, Pro Benham. Not really sure where they stand, promote, stand because uh, 
Uh, the, the main guy on the card here was uh, Sonny Edwards, who is uh, promoted by Frank Warren. And, um, you know, the the other guys on the scene promoted, I think, by other guys. It was a, it was a weird, it was a weird setup. It didn't have TV date, like TV stuff till very late. It ended up on, um, on uh, I think it was on BT. It was definitely promoted by, uh, you know, Frank Warren and did end up involved, even though he wasn't there. So, you know, that he had to be Sonny Edwards was on the card. It was a weird one. It's a weird one. I don't really know where that's going to go. But anyway, the point is, um, the, they had a, who did, I can't even remember who they had on commentary. It was, um, it was Paul Smith, you know, everyone's favourite Smith brother. Um, I'm not even sure who the other guy was, the main commentator. Just the commentator. Um, you know, I, I should, but it was, uh, it's not that important and it was too embarrassing for words because if you listen to the commentary, look, I like Sonny Edwards, I rate Sonny Edwards. I probably think he's better than a lot of people do. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But if you listen to the commentary, you could be forgiven for believing you were seeing a uh, you know, one of the greatest offensive boxers who, who's ever, ever played the game. You know, it was it was a schooling and a domination and a show. And I mean, it was it was to some extent it was all those things. It was very one. You know, at the end it was very one sided. Um, and uh, like I say, I rate Sonny Edwards, but it was quite funny to listen to. And uh, the result of that is that the people who watched it. Um, decided, you know, Sonny Edwards is already quite a, he's one of the king wind-up merchants, and some of the things he says on Twitter, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty, I don't always agree with everything he says. Um, Boxing-wise, he's very uh, sensible, but also loves a wind-up, so he's a, he's an easy figure to make fun of, and um, people like to do that, and they like to you know, it's easy to find ways to denigrate him, to want to find ways to denigrate him, because he's annoying on purpose, basically. And uh, the commentary being so utterly ridiculously biased in favour of him by the end just made people, you know, it makes people want to pretend that the performance was rubbish, and it wasn't. And, you know, Jason Jason Mama is, um, apologies for that, Jason Mama is, um, he was a mandatory, he hadn't really done much to earn the mandatory shot that, you know, happens reasonably often, um, but uh, compared to some of the mandatories we've seen, including um, as of this recording early today, um, now you and I'm not going to talk about it. It wasn't much point. Um, his his mandatory opponent was a. He had he's had two fights this year, I believe, and neither of them should have been anywhere near the ring with him. He's just fought Aaron Depayan, and you know, it's, I haven't watched the hot fight. Seen little bits. I'm quite surprised it took him eight rounds. Well, you know, it did. What can you do? The point being that uh, at this point, you start thinking, if it's a mandatory you've never heard of, um, he just doesn't belong in the ring. And that's not always true, and it wasn't really true here. Like, uh, Jason Mama was... um, He was there to fight. You know, that's an easy thing to say. Everyone's there to fight. But um, in the early going, he did give Sonny Edwards some... wouldn't necessarily say trouble, but he had he made him work. He was um he was giving him some things to think about, landing some shots. It was a it was a he's he he was a fast guy as well. Like I don't I'm not, not sure if anyone you know anyone expected that. Even I didn't expect Mama to be as fast as he was. And the whole thrust of my preview was you know that Mama is going to be better than some people think. Um, 
so so he did he did surprise me and you know in the early rounds he was getting to Edwards a bit and uh, he was also being uh, quite dirty um, you know in all the little ways that he can make life difficult um, and at the end of the day um, what 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 won the game what eventually led Edwards to taking over is um, something I've talked about with him before is I wrote an article about this before he fought Maruti Mithilane and uh, won that fight you know, pretty comfortably, is that his, it's not just his appreciation of rhythm, but his manipulation of rhythm is very, very good. And so is his footwork and manipulation of range. Like he still makes silly little errors that he shouldn't make and needs to cut out before he fights Julio Cesar Martinez because um, cause they'll get him in trouble in that one. But, um, you know, he, he gets better with every fight, I think. And, you know, that'll be, that'll be a fight that... Uh, Maybe some of us will have a little uh, discussion before it happens, if it ever happens. Um, I'll I give Edward some chances in that fight. Anyway, in this fight, um, yeah, um, Sonny Edwards, combination of just really good movement, footwork, and uh, being able to play with rhythm and range. Um, it just defanged Jason Mama. So by the end, you know, he was just hurling himself around the ring. You know, the thing is... Mama's, Mama's pressure footwork isn't at all bad like in a lot of fighters in that situation you would just see them follow him and you know in the end that's what it ended up it, that's what it wound up being but it wound up being that way because Edwards knows where he is in the ring at all times you know I, uh, he's yeah he's just an intelligent aware fighter always mobile and he'll tell you himself that he um, you know he that, that his game is about not being where his opponent wants him to be and uh, Mama was trying to cut the ring off on him, you know. I'm not saying he's going to argue Golovkin, but there was, in you know, intent there. And um, Edwards just defanged it. And um, and his shots, his style, he he's very clearly an outboxer, back foot fighter. And, you know, no one's going to couple with that. But he throws a lot more than you would sometimes expect from someone with that style. You know, he's... Um, I've said it before, he'll never throw a double jab, a triple jab will do. He likes to follow up little combinations. You know, he's two, three punches at a time, three, four punches at a time. But um, compared to other fighters with a similar style, it's, you know, one punch more, two punches more than you'd expect in the same situation. So it's, you know, it's neat to watch. It's especially, you know, it's not, it's never good. He's never going to put you in barn burners. And I think if anyone forces him into the barn burner stand toe-to-toe -to -toe fight they're probably you know if they're able to do that then they're probably going to be able to beat him because it's not where he wants to be but i'm not sure there is anyone who's going to be able to consistently do that to him like um there are, the, the, the thing about this this is this has become a very solid division at the top it's not super deep that partly comes you know they're uh, there are fighters there. It's one of those divisions. It's uh, as you go down the weight classes, maybe um, the divisions are shallower, and that makes it harder for fighters to prove themselves exactly how good they are. This is part of what happened with um, Mama is that he just wasn't. You know, he made a bit of a leap from being basically regional to Sonny Edwards, which uh, some people will not like me uh, using Sonny Edwards as a standard suddenly world level, but uh, he very definitely is world a world level fighter. He's one of the top three fighters in that division, top four fighters in that division. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, so there may be more fighters than just a few champions 
but the champions are good. Regardless of how deep the division is beyond them, the champions in that division are very solid. You have Harton de Lacan, who's probably the weakest of the bunch, I would say. You know, he's a Ukrainian fellow who won the he won the vacant WA belt against Brian Valorio a little while back, and since then he hasn't really faced anyone of note. Um, you know, Valorio was very long way past his best by then, and uh, um, in November he fought um, Luis Concepcion, who is also rather removed from you know the days when uh, he shockingly got beaten up by uh, by um, Kawiyafi and never really recovered from that. Um, so he hasn't really proved himself, but he, he you know you watch him, he's he's an old fighter because he moves neatly. Uh, looks tidy, then he starts throwing, lands one or two shots, and it's this, you know, crude hugging. But he's not, you know, he's not going to be a walkover for anyone. Um, you have uh, Sonny Edwards, who we're talking about now. You have um, Julio Cesar Martinez, who, if he can uh, keep making uh, weight, he's a holy terror. Um, he's not very defensively sound at all, but um, he's just going to overwhelm so many people. He moves so fast. Um, moves in so fast well you know he's hittable but he's not leaping in so it's going to be difficult to knock him off his feet and keep him away and he has a brutal line and body work and you know just a generally incredibly exciting fighter to watch um and you have um my favorite um hunto nakatani who um is a classy young japanese fighter who um for my money one of the best fighters under the age of 25 in the world right now um and you know I'm not going to go into huge detail. Um, I would say the best fighter out of that lot is Hunter Nakatani, but um, there isn't any one. I mean, I would put Artem Delakin comfortably the least least proven out of those. And, uh, you know, even the sub-holder of the belt that uh, Martinez holds is uh, McWilliam Zorio, and, you know, he'd have a decent chance against uh, Delakin. But the other three, you know... Um, I'd give them all decent chances against each other. I'd pick Nakatani to beat the other two. Um, I don't know who I'd pick out of Edwards and Martinez, but it would be that that fight has to happen. I think but first it would be a very interesting clash of styles, and then there's a familiar family collection connection because Martinez um, chewed up Charlie Edwards, Sonny Edwards' older brother, um, and then he, you know it was that thing where he uh, blasted him while he was on the floor and. Uh, he got awarded the KO and should have been disqualified. Uh, then it was made in no contest, and it's all this, you know, boxing nonsense. But um, Sonny Edwards has been campaigning very heavily on a sort of family revenge thing, and uh, that'll be fun. It'll be that fight should happen. You know, hopefully it happens next year. I want it to. Um, if and when it does, then I'll be talking much more about um, about who I think is going to win and uh, try to make some predictions, and hopefully, hopefully, be joined by some. Uh, my fellow, my fight type fellows for that one. So, you know, hope that happens just so you can hear us talk about it, obviously. Um, yeah, it's become a really, it's a division you should be paying attention to, is the point I'm trying to make here. Is, um, there are fighters in it that, that are this distinctly different in style. Like all three of those guys are very different. You know, you've got the rangy, uh, rangy but classy boxer, Nakatani, with an incredibly educated lead hand, like, he does everything with his lead hand, which isn't to say he only boxes with his lead hand. It's to say that he, uh, you know, he jabs, he parries, he he does everything he needs to. Um, you've got the wrecking ball that is Martinez, and it's complete and utter opposites. Sonny Edwards. It's just a, it's a very interesting 
fun well-rounded division uh, because it's so small you know they um, make it clear for anyone who doesn't uh, doesn't know them at all they are um, flyweights um, they should yeah pay attention give the give them your attention um, you know try to get past the fact that Sonny Edwards is annoying you on purpose both in and out of the ring um, try to get past you know uh, Martinez hitting people while they're on the floor because you know I don't I don't think it's a dirty fighter he's just uh, I mean it was an idiotic thing to do but he's incredibly exciting and yeah Hunter Nakatani not enough people have heard of him keep an eye out on that name what's your division that's it really um, yeah next week I'm not going to go into any sort of preview but um, there is an unbelievably stacked British card um, so yeah, keep an eye out on that one. The Parker vs. Chisora rematch is the headline act, and um, you know that's not the most interesting fight in the world. It'll be fun, but uh, then you've got um, Carlos Congora vs. Loren Richards, which is uh, not for any major belts or anything, but it's just uh, I don't think I don't think there's uh, anything really on the line. But it's uh, just two very good fighters um, coming together. One one who's been around a while, one who's um, coming through more on Richards um, that uh, yeah it's a very even fight um, or clash of styles again and also Lerone Richards is very committed to dressing up as a bee um, you know there's no, there's no that's not a, some kind of a joke he's uh, he dresses in yellow and black all the time and sometimes comes out with the wings on his shorts and that's, you know that's fun and there's just a whole bunch of other that card is just full of interesting little fights even you know Joshua Boazzi was meant to be fighting on it uh, that fell apart but even without that it's an excellent card um, but other than that you've also got um, you've got Israel Madrimov trying to prove that he's uh, the guy we all wanted him to be um, on I believe he fights on Friday um, yeah he's fighting Michael Soro on Friday Arta Baterbiev is fighting on Friday um, then you've got a uh, well, yeah, um, Zoda Ramirez is fighting on Saturday. David Morrell, who's, um, I don't really, you know, it's not even sure how uh, how good he is, but he's soft sort of in the picture um, in super middleweight, so he's one keeping an eye on against Atlantis Fox. And um, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, the grudge match, you know. So um, a preview of everything relevant uh, should be coming your way. Um... But yeah, another like this. The end of this boxing year is uh, been frankly, it's been the best boxing has been for ages. Probably the best consecutive stretch of solid, interesting, evenly matched, or even um, interesting in other ways boxing matchups that I've had probably since I really started. You know, I've I've always followed boxing, but I didn't really get into it on the level that I'm that I am now analysing and all that nonsense since I think it was 2014 when I started you know thinking about doing that kind of thing and since then this is probably the longest deepest string of fights that we've had uh, in what's that seven years so um, it's been fantastic and uh, long may it continue like you're already looking to January there's already fights being made for there um, yeah join us you know if you're a boxing fan it's a great little journey and um, I hope we enjoy it I hope you enjoy it and uh, yeah see you enjoy the fights of the weekend and see you next week